Hello and welcome once again to episode 48 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing our code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So uh, before we get started, uh, let's jump into our indie app spotlight. So today we are checking out DocView by Jerseem Sergi, a Mac app that upgrades your window management capabilities through your dock. So DocView stays out of your way until you move your mouse to your dock, where it will preview all the open windows you have for the app that you are currently highlighting with your mouse. From there, DocView gives you powerful window management utilities to do all your standard operations, close, minimize, zoom, uh, but you also get tiling modes to position windows just how you'd want them. So DocView costs only $19.99 for the current version or $49.99 for a lifetime license. So please be sure to support Jerusalem by checking it out. And if you are an indie developer, we want to hear from you. Please reach out to us on Twitter at CodeCompletion via DM so we can spotlight your app too. So as we record today, uh, it is iPhone day, uh, the day that iPhones ship out en masse and probably overwhelm all logistics worldwide uh, <laughs> for a limited amount of time. Uh, so we figure we'd do our best to review uh, what we've uh, just received in the mail. So what phone did you order, Spencer? <laughs> yeah, so I got the 13 Pro in, what is it called now? Sierra Blue? Sierra Blue, um, aka Space Gray. <laughs> yeah oh my gosh starlight um and it's i i received it probably just over two hours ago and so it literally finished uh transferring from my old everything from my old phone to this one 25 minutes ago and so uh i quickly you know pulled out the camera checked out the three time zoom which looks great um haven't tried the cinematic mode yet but um i think the biggest thing that I noticed immediately is that promotion display, which is just buttery smooth. Uh, it you know, it's it's very interesting. As soon as you go from anything that is sixty hertz, which to your eye is smooth, and then you go to anything else, it is just like butter. It looks it's insane how much that double uh, the frame rate or refresh rate of the screen is uh, to the human eye. Everything just looks very very smooth and so i'm i'm really excited to have that as kind of one of the main features so i i was a dummy a few hours ago i'm like anyone on our private slack i'm like anyone feel like their iphone 13 is like way smoother than their 12 i thought just like pure speed wise i didn't realize that the promotion display was at work and i'm like it just feels so janky (laughs) (laughs) iphone 12 uh and i didn't even realize until spencer says whoa that promotion display is amazing um so it it, you you really have to see it to realize like what you're missing out on um but it immediately renders everything else just like uh stuttery right that's the best Mm -hmm. way to, to explain it i mean you're you have half the frames all of a sudden and our eyes notice that uh and we are immediately ruined by it (laughs) as with most things no it's so true i mean you can just sit there and you know swipe between pages in the home screen of your apps and it's just immediately clear how smooth everything is or you know scroll up and down uh, a table view or something um like dimitri said it really is kind of like an experience that you have to see to understand how much smoother it is it's it's really cool so you have the opportunity to you know go use one in an apple store when they open up or everything i just you know recommend it just to kind of see what we're talking about a little bit more yeah um there are ways to get smooth mouse mouse movements on your computer as well and that's to turn on mouse trails you remember sure. good old mouse trails you get all those interpolations of mouse pointers and it's just so smooth um I love that when I was when I was a kid <laughs> on my on especially shaking around like, the mouth. Yeah, like on our family's Windows Vista computer. Man, that was I thought I was so cool having the mouse traps on. <laughs> but it, it really is a big upgrade, um, and uh, I would I will be surprised if we don't start seeing this soon on Macs because iPads mm. with larger screens have had this for quite a while now. Uh, Macs are running on the same like platform as their iOS devices, so there's really no reason uh, why 
Apple couldn't do this on their the displays that are built in um, and immediately ruin every external display you ever plug into your Mac. Um, yeah. Because Macs do support high, high refresh rate displays if you have a graphics card that's capable of it and a display that can do something with it. Um, so it is a supported configuration. It's just... Uh, interesting that nowadays on the displays that Apple ships, it's not something that um, is possible yet. Right. I think a big thing is, you know, we if you ever watch any iPhone reviews, like probably the one that I'll watch every year is like the Marques Brownlee um, review of, of the new iPhones and everything. And, you know, those a lot of those reviewers are both kind of on the Apple and Android side of things. And uh, you know, every year, probably for the last two or three years, they're like, where's the high refresh, you know, display? Um, I don't think it's quite that simple to get something that looks so good that has the great brightness that the iPhone does and everything. I, you know, I'm no display engineer, so maybe it is. I don't know. But um, I, I agree that now that it's here and m- many more people will experience this high refresh rate. Um, I, I think one thing is... I don't know how useful it would be in a desktop sense, especially because Apple's not really pushing like high, you know, gaming at all, let alone like high refresh rate gaming, you know, with, with powerful graphics, maybe that'll improve with the M2 or whatever it is, but I, not to mention just having Slack open, just slideshows your Mac anyway. So yeah, there's, uh, like there's nothing that 60. really, <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, there's nothing that really warrants 120 or even 90 hertz, I'd say, which is unfortunate. I wish it was because it is a great experience just to have your MacBook out of the box. That would be great to just have a nice high refresh rate display. I don't know how um, much of a priority it would be as opposed to something like the rumored many year rumored, you know, mini LED display or something like that. That's just... um, maybe something that people people would appreciate more well i think it it goes hand in hand with things like retina and wide color gamuts like Mm. most people don't need these things and they Mm. don't it doesn't add anything to their experience uh and it's not something that they readily notice unless you point it out either but it does make for a nicer experience like having wide color gamut displays means that your photos will now pop more when there's the color information there to like warrant it, especially mm-hmm. if you're taking pictures with your iPhone, which will go ahead and provide this information readily. Um, so like that's that's a benefit. Uh, retina displays, like sure, you can like most people they probably make things bigger on their computers than uh, smaller to be able to see those crisp lines, and they don't really notice. But it does again make things nicer. And yeah. even if it's just that little thing where you're seeing the mouse just be much smoother that's easier for your eye to track like in all honesty like Mm -hmm. when the mouse has to jump hundreds of pixels to just move that's when you lose track of it uh very easily and that's not even with the slider cranked all the way that's just if you move it quickly from one side of the screen to the other you can you can lose it uh but Mm -hmm. if you do get those intermediate frames it makes it a lot easier to track um and like it's those little tiny things that do make for a better experience just like i was saying just the animation of opening and closing an app like that is not something that we necessarily need as iphone users right right Um, that's true but that's what made me notice that everything felt so much faster it made the device feel faster um and maybe that's why they're not bringing it to the mac because any application can kind of bring down system performance to the point where like you start noticing uh the display frame rate like dipping below 60 uh, on the regular, um, Mm -hmm. which is something that's very foreign on iOS. And that's strictly because you can have multiple windows and multiple things all running and competing for resources all at once on a Mac. Uh, So like that is a possibility that's not on iOS. And therefore maybe we wouldn't be able to take advantage of that promotion display just for basic animations as much as we want to, because Slack being in the background would just prevent the system from being able to do that, for instance. Yeah. I just looked, and the Pro Display XDR only supports. Oh, you you probably know this. You have one. Mm-hmm. It only supports sixty hertz. It's and less. 
yeah. I think it supports a few different things for like cinematic, like 24 or 30 or something. Yeah. But 23, 975, all of those. Yeah, things. right. Yes, all of those <laughs> weird. But, uh, you know, even Apple's $5,000, $6,000 display doesn't, doesn't support that either. So I don't think I mean, it's it wouldn't really... be able to. Like, strictly speaking, 6K right. at 60 hertz is a lot of data. 6K that, yeah. at double that is even more data. The, if you if you look at gaming monitors, they're not Retina. They're not wide color gamut. They're barely HDR sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they focus on high frame rate because right. you have to trade everything else for that. Um, yeah. And like the graphics cards, they will run at a lower resolution to give you the higher frame rate um, yeah. many times out of out most. So like it's it's all a system of trade offs, which is unfortunate at the moment. Um, but I, I guess eventually we'll get to the point where we'll just have like very fast computers that can keep up with all sorts of all these different sorts of situations um, and be able to perform well no matter what. Yeah, agreed. So you've had your phone uh, for hours longer than I have. So what uh, <laughs> what else have you noticed about the new phone? Uh, so I noticed uh, that the Sierra Blue is very gray. It reminds me of Graphite. Yeah. Uh, if if you go to System Preferences on your Mac and you change the color mode to Graphite, I don't know if you can still do that with the accent colors and all. Um, but uh, it it feels like a muted, like a very muted blue. Um, yes. To the point where it looks more gray than blue, um, and since it's a color that is not gold. Uh, which I feel like is the gaudiest of colors, uh, despite me loving orange. Like I put an orange case on my phone. Gold <laughs> is essentially orange, but the fact that it's shiny makes it gaudy immediately. I don't know, like <laughs> psychology. Um, I think it's more yellow too. Yeah, um, but like the the new iMac, that yellow is gorgeous, yeah. but it doesn't look gold. Yeah, oh, that's the true. orange is gorgeous. Yeah, you're it right. doesn't it's, look gold. Does that make sense? Like there's a, there's yeah. that uncanny valley, and right in the middle of those two, where it's like I like golden things, and it's like not the. Like, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so I like I think it's good that we have colors. I wish Apple would think that Pro devices can deserve more colors. Mm-hmm. I was very very hopeful with like the iMac generation with all those different colors that oh here we have on the front of the imax the non-pro models and on the back of the imax we're gonna have the pro colors uh Mm -hmm. because they basically took those colors from their devices uh and they built out that that um color selection so i was like great apple kind of like finally stabilized on some uh something and we're gonna start to see that more and more and unfortunately uh we don't so that's why i picked uh the sierra blue uh, over the starlight and the midnight and the gold i think those yeah. are the options no i think for the pro it's silver space gray and do they still use silver no i think it's starlight now i think they replaced silver with that starlight if i remember right well in any case it was the only color option that was not gold so i went for it um yeah. to me like immediately upon taking this out of the box i immediately noticed a size difference because i got so used to using a mini for like so long um and i am still feeling that size difference so um fun fact while i was moving everything over i noticed that my work eSIM that was my my phone had dual sims on it uh the work eSIM did not transfer over because at&t apparently prevents this now even though it worked fine last time i did this transition last year uh so whatever uh it didn't work uh, and therefore it's stuck on my iPhone mini, which may, is a very convenient way of making sure I can still use, uh, the iPhone mini on the daily, um, and still end up carrying it around. So now I have two phones on me, one, one massive and one tiny, and I can, I have two pockets, thankfully, and I can, <laughs> I can pick one or the other. I was kind of hoping the magnets would kind of attach so that way the big phone can have a little backpack of a tiny phone, kind of like <laughs> a, a parent awesome. holding their toddler. Um, yeah. I, I thought that would be a very good idea to kind of see if it would work, but the the magnets are not strong enough, unfortunately, mm. through the cases. So <laughs> that was not a possibility. That's awesome. Um, I yeah, going I so I went from the 12 Pro to the 13 Pro, and 
it is heavier, uh, not to mention it is, they're thicker because they have the, the larger batteries. And I actually prefer this slightly thicker phone. It just feels a little bit more um, sure in my hands. I don't know how to explain mm-hmm. it. It's just like it's a dense. little bit. Yeah, it's dense and it feels like I can hold on to it better. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I'm actually a fan of the of the slightly thicker phone itself. Uh, I like the blue. Um, I, I was just sitting here comparing it with the um, the Pacific Blue uh, iPhone 12 that I have right here, and which is darker, um, right? It, it's much darker. Yeah, so it's you know a fair amount darker, but mm-hmm. I. I think I kind of like the Pacific blue more, but I'm definitely not opposed to the Sierra blue. And like you mentioned, I was also surprised that they didn't have at least one more color, uh, you know, new color uh, to the iPhone. And I'm wondering if they're kind of gauging between these blues, how people basically how many of the blue phones that people buy, because What's, what I found, found interesting was uh, probably because the the Pro phones have all of these features like um, ProRes and everything that we kind of care about. Uh, both you, I, and Ben at least bought the blue iPhone, the, yeah. the Sierra Blue, which I was very surprised when Ben said that just because he's so on the red phone train. Uh, but but after no red. red is any color, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, and that's that's the thing, right? Is mm-hmm. I think people just want colors. We've been with either black, silver, or uh, space gray or gold iPhones for the entire life of iPhones. So it's fun to see new colors, and I hope that they're kind of just gauging the waters here. And I think probably a lot of people are um, buying these colored pro level phones. So hopefully. Next year, next two years, they've got more colors. Yeah, Apple, if you want to sell more of the Pro models than the non-Pro model, just all the colors on the Pro models. Instantly, yeah. like, people Gray will silver choose on. that over anything else. <laughs> It'd be really funny if they did that and just put gray and silver on the non-Pro iPhones mm-hmm. and then only colors on the Pro. Because, uh, yes, you can get a case, but the, the color of the metal just looks nice. Um, yeah. And it's it's fun to have something that is your favorite color. I mean, that's that's why people have favorite colors, right? <laughs> We're so insistent on getting something that we like. I mean, like, yeah, Bose makes cus- completely customizable. You can pick each and every different hue for all the different pieces. I have a nice little library of swatches. It takes a little longer, sure, but it's like fun, and people yeah. like that, you know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Apple, if you're listening, which you're not, uh, <laughs> go ahead and please <laughs> uh, please offer colors. And the iMac colors are awesome. Like, use mm-hmm. those. If you had a bright yellow, uh, like, that matched the iMac as a pro phone, I would totally have picked that. Um, just because it's a gorgeous color. Uh, and if you had the whole collection of different colors, that would be even better, right? Yeah, agreed. Um, that said, like, again, coming from the mini, I was lying down earlier and I immediately felt the weight of, uh, this absolute uh. <laughs> unit of, a of a phone and it is quite heavy. And I think people said it was heavier than the previous model. So mm-hmm. since you have both in front of you, is it noticeable between the two or is it just me going from the mini to the gigantic version of the non, not even the gigantic version <laughs> Yes, it is noticeable. I don't really know how to describe the amount of, you know, perceived weight that extra that it is. But yes, I definitely am like, oh, shoot, this is a little bit heavier. I think, of course, you'll get used to it. Um, Might take a little bit longer for you coming from the mini. But yes, uh, they are heavier just in general. I don't think I'm going to get used to it either because I'm going to be carrying both around with me. It's going to be a constant reminder, which is probably bad. Because if next year there are no uh, mini phones, uh, then I have nothing to go back to, which is going to be a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, you should just kind of go cold turkey and switch your eSIM over. Hopefully, if if they can do it, uh, somehow. They're just not able to do it at all, or it's just not 
in the uh, that initial transfer process that they can't do it. So it was it didn't do it automatically when I went to follow the settings. Uh, it basically um, complained that AT and T pro- prohibits this uh, for whatever oh. reason. Um, so I probably just need to give a call to my work and have HR send me a new little eSIM card. It's like a card with a QR code on it. I guess they can email. Oh, I was going to say, wait, hold on. eSIM <laughs> card? Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's just, I think, uh, going to just be a bit of a headache to get my work mm-hmm. to send me a new card and or email me a new card and just re-onboard the number um, as an eSIM. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so moving on to the cameras. Uh, the cameras coming from a mini... <laughs> are amazing um i gave uh, the telephoto 3x a shot and i'm like i don't have to get up anymore uh to take pictures of cats because that's all i take pictures of um <laughs> and your your garden you outside and my garden outside i have a, a nice uh collection of individual frames on a daily basis of all my plants growing so one day uh when i have time which i will never have i will go ahead and uh, put that into a time lapse, and you can watch plants grow, um, nice. or I can watch plants grow because I don't think anyone else cares. Uh, so on that note, uh, I am excited to try out the camera tomorrow morning when I get to take more pictures of my plants and realize that the framing is all wrong because I got used to taking it with the iPhone Mini. Um, right. But the telephoto is definitely welcome uh, after missing it for so long. I know people complain, oh, it's not a better camera, yada yada. Uh, not enough low light. I don't really care much because I have uh, like Siri connected to the lights. I can always turn on the <laughs> lights easily uh, right. to get more light. Um, so for me, it's it's definitely just the zoom. Uh, and if in the future we can welcome like more pixels at the same time, then we can get even better pictures, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Because most of the time we have light, and for the times we don't, we have lenses that do better in those situations and that's perfectly fine with me um i think yeah i think every year it's always a welcome improvement to have better glass even if they even if it's a little bit but i think we're down to like f 1.7 or something right now it's it's pretty impressive how how wide they can get these small lenses to be um I also, I'm really excited to try out, again, I, I haven't really tried out the cameras much, except for just in a couple pieces uh, places in my house, but um, the 3X zoom, I think, is great because 2X is it's good, but it's also not a huge difference where, you know, if you want to zoom on something, it's, I don't know, for me, I always would want to, or just wish that I could push in more without going into digital zoom. So the 3x zoom is, I think, going to be really nice for that. And not to mention, the, it was the Max last year of the iPhone 12, right? That mm-hmm. had the 2.5x uh, zoom, correct? Oh, I don't know. Like I was a, thinking a little about... bit of an odd, an odd, uh, like jump. They they were saying it's a five times uh, optical system, and now it's a six times optical mm. system uh, because we have the 3x. Right. I, I was thinking about the sensor shift, which that was also a part of the the max only for the wide lens, and that's uh, now trickled down. I think even to the twelve, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, the thirteen, is, the regular thirteen, or the thirteen. Sorry, yes, the the non pro thirteen. So that's really cool. I think that'll be nice, um, both for low light, but also just in general. You know, more stabilization, the better. Um, yeah. I, I and as soon as I opened up the camera, it's like, do you want to try out a uh, a style? And I was like, nah, I'm good. So I need <laughs> I to do the that. Same thing. Did you? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know where to find it anymore. Um, yeah. So I, I will need to dig into that as well to give that a better try. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I but feel exciting like stuff gonna... with that with yeah. cameras overall. Yeah, I feel like I'm just going to stick with the default uh, look because I'm boring that way and I like defaults. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's probably where I'm going to stay. Uh, a really cool addition is the macro, uh, like, yes. possibilities that are enabled by the really short focal point of the ultra-wide camera. 
Um, so if you're not in the ultra wide mode and you just put your phone really close to something, the phone will automatically switch to the ultra wide uh, camera and it does shift the perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of stays at that mode from that point forward. So if you were to switch to the 3X, it's not actually going to switch the 3X lens. It's staying on the 0.5X lens um, because you are like so close to something. But it will zoom everything in, which like turns your phone into an instant little microscope. Like not, not big enough to see cells and stuff, but uh, plenty large enough to go ahead and see details and smears of oil that you didn't think were there. <laughs> All of a sudden, like super obvious. Um, so I, I am very excited about the macro lens, mostly because I love taking, uh, pictures of textures. Um, and it's, it's something that is now going to be possible when it wasn't before. So, um, I am definitely looking forward to that. Agreed. Um, yeah, all of these, I, I'm a big fan of multiple cameras on the phone. It's just a fun way to, um, have and perhaps introduce all of these different photographic techniques and styles um, to other people um, that maybe haven't done it before. But I, when I was in in school, I loved. I had I took photography class every year, and I loved doing like macro photography. is super fun. Even things like um, one of the ones that I just remember the most off the top of my head is like taking a picture of the top of a soda can and you can see all of these little micro abrasions and it's just all of this stuff that is there, but you, you know, just can't see it well enough. So having a little bit of that on the phone is exciting. I haven't tried it yet, but, um, it's what a a two centimeter, uh, distance away is, is just about, yeah. So about as close close as you're going to get your phone. Like it's not an actual microscope. It won't, Mm -hmm. it won't be like under a millimeter, uh, from your sample and you're gonna not you're not gonna be able to see that um, yeah. but uh, in terms of like comfortably getting your phone close to something uh, it will focus now where previously it wouldn't um, and this this works very well and it's very automatic so you don't there's no sort of macro uh, like uh, what's that called when you ha- there's no sort of macro mode in the camera app um which like they already added another mode called this uh cinematic mode for the video um to that carousel that is infuriating if you ask me um (laughs) the infuriating carousel of the of the photos app um they did not add another mode to that which i'm thankful for you just go ahead and pull out your camera and point it close to something and it instantly grabs focus which is very very nice um, and you can get some pretty interesting pictures, even if you're just taking a picture to get a closer look at something, which oftentimes is a very useful like use of a phone. Um, then it's it's a win, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So going back to the cinematic mode, that's one thing that um, I'm interested to know if they'll make API available for that either or both for being able to do that in your own apps for something like Filmic Pro, for example, and also getting access to uh, that data to be able to kind of like post, edit the um, the depth and everything like um, like you guys talked about last week, where it's it's really just kind of done in software and you could adjust that. I'm wondering if there's going to be some sort of uh, API available for either or both of those kind of pieces of cinematic mode itself i'm not i haven't seen anything but i also haven't really looked for it either i think this is going to be possible because both imovie on the ipad and um our ios and final cut pro are apparently getting uh the ability to edit those uh that depth information post uh, as a post process um and from what i've read it's a sidecar file meaning it's a extra file that's named the same but with a different extension um and that file is probably in, like the same uh atom structure as all the other quicktime files uh that exist and it probably just includes frame by frame depth information at that point um mm. so uh whether there's a high level api to do redo the focus or whether it's something that you need to compute on your own um i think the data should be easily accessible i don't think it's in some sort of arcane format that 
um, is going to be impossible to get to. Gotcha. Cool. That's exciting. I know, just like you mentioned, the, uh, the I don't really know what you, the, the carousel, I think is what you called it uh, in, in the photos app, the camera app is uh, <laughs> a little bit frustrating. So I generally, when I'm trying to like take more than just a quick video, I'll go into something like Filmic where there's a little bit more control and uh, hopefully that, you know, they can have all of these um, same features because the camera app's better than it was, but it's still, you know, pretty, pretty bare bones in, in terms of a lot of things like mm -hmm. focus control, ISO control, that kind of stuff. So be cool to have this as well. Yep, definitely. Um, and I think that concludes... Uh, the cool things about the camera. Anything else? The only thing, uh, other thing that I've noticed is I have this little um, wireless charging stand that my phone sits on all the time when I'm oh, at no. my desk. <laughs> yeah. So let me let me pull it out here for you. Oh, so, mine is just barely on there. So my this is the 12 Pro, and it just barely, barely fits without messing up the camera bump and here is the 13 pro so i'm gonna have to find a new uh thing because it kind of either clips on the lens itself and then it's all askew he over here uh so that's a little bit of a bummer where it just doesn't doesn't sit straight or it's not really contacting the phone and charging well so that's yeah. a little bit of a bummer but i, I, I guess it's it's a good trade-off to have better cameras definitely i think ben uh was saying on twitter he's not he's not here in this episode so we gotta we gotta uh use what he says without his consent uh <laughs> so he was saying on, on i think it was him on twitter uh that uh in a tesla it no longer like sits where the wireless charging area on the tesla is oh. um and it catches right where the camera is which causes the phone to now slide around uh like crazy um so yay uh Bummer. but that that leads me to something i did want to bring up there's a very good re i think i brought this up uh, on last week's episode but there's a very good reason why the yes. iphone mini does not have the pro cameras because it would clip right into the uh the charging Max coil yeah. And Apple's not going to lower the charging coil without lowering the Apple logo because then it wouldn't be centered um so that's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting problem to solve if they care about smaller devices. Which I'm going to go ahead and say, they probably don't care that much because they've never really run the experiment of having, like, the best of everything at every size and actually seeing what people are going to pick. Uh, they mm -hmm. just made a, a very small, but vastly uh, inferior at the stage uh, uh, phone with the camera system that doesn't live up to uh the camera system that comes on the pros um and that's that's just a tad unfortunate i think um because i feel like at a certain point there was benefit to having things miniaturized in technology like people were actively chasing that and it was more expensive yeah. to have something that was smaller it's like oh the next thing is smaller and it's more expensive like that that was a given um but as technology kind of became consumerized, I would like be likely to say where uh, it's not just tech enthusiasts or professionals that are buying this as equipment anymore. It's purely mm -hmm. like, hey, I need a phone. I'm going to go buy whatever the latest thing is. Um, mm -hmm. I think that has kind of pushed that mentality out, um, which is uh, it's a shame, I think. But yeah i can I, I can speak at length about that yeah <laughs> i think for me it's a little mind-boggling that people will buy the max size phone unless you just have massive you know large like long fingers i don't know how you do it because the the pro size or the 12 size or 13 well the norm the normal size iphone is at my absolute max for the size of phone that I am comfortable using. And even then I have to do some weird hand gymnastics just to reach the top of the phone sometimes to hit a back button, for example. So, so remember when there was not a big iPhone, like all the iPhones kind of came in like one size. Yeah. And 
there were a ton of large Android devices, mm-hmm. like mega large uh, by by those standards. Oh yeah, I had a lot of friends who preferred those devices, and they were not the type of people to ever use their phone one handed. They always had one phone with a hand and another oh. phone with a prodding finger to go okay. ahead and use it. And as soon as you do that, sure, like it doesn't matter how big the device. In fact, bigger is better. You have a bigger yeah. screen. Um, many of these people had purses to put their phones in, uh, or gigantic pockets to put them in. So the size was never a concern for most people. And it was only a benefit because it had more like in that sense of the word. Sure. Um, and it's only those of us, I think that got used to the idea of using a phone one handed that ever saw the downside to that because, for us to use a phone, it's in one hand. Like we're doing something with our other hand. Right. Our one hand is dexterous enough to manipulate everything on the screen, and then all of a sudden you make the screen bigger and we can't reach. So then it's mm-hmm. like super awkward. We now change how we're holding the phone. You're like using the bottom of your pinky uh, to get the bottom. It's like precariously balanced in your yeah. ha- in the no, cradle really. that you create in your hand, just so you can reach stuff. Um, and I think we're also the same type of people who drop the phone on our face, uh, while like sleeping because (laughs) we're used to balancing it with gravity working this way and gravity working in the other way just goes straight onto your face, breaks your nose in the process with this, uh, the increased weights, uh, that these phones are Yeah, I, I expect a report of that, of how many times you've done that next week. Ah, the iPad is the worst. I have not had an (laughs) iPad accident in quite a while because of the... Uh, what's it called? The Magic Dock? The Magic Keyboard? Is that mm-hmm. the, the name yeah. of it? Uh, the one with the really strong magnets. So the iPad mm-hmm. ain't going out nowhere um, on that dock. Um, so I like liberally use the keyboard to kind of prop the iPad on top of my head when bed mm-hmm. because it's like a comfortable place to be. Um, and like I have not had the iPad follow me, but I remember what it feels like to have an iPad follow me. <laughs> that is like yeah. enough to be terrified of it. Um, and I got deja vus of that when I was in bed earlier, just holding my, playing with my phone, uh, and having to like hold it in one hand, like, uh, it's not working. Grab the other hand to hold on to it as well. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think, uh, like you said, it, it kind of defeats the purpose when you have to use two hands or mm-hmm. you're doing the finger stylus. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it doesn't matter what size it is. It might as well be yeah. an iPad. Um, yeah. And that's that's fine. Like to me, it feels like this is nearly the size of my 11 inch iPad. Um, <laughs> like compared to the size that I was comfortable holding in my hand. Like yeah, I can hold an iPad like this too. It like it barely fits, but it works. And I feel like the Max is right there at that size yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, is the is the Mini about the size of like? an iphone 5 or like an, the original se it's bigger it's bigger okay yeah then i that's yeah i would probably then get the mini i was gonna say i really liked the size of the 5 and se so if it's around that size if they had it in pro i'd probably get that yeah um and i encourage everyone if you've never held a mini before go to an apple store and Try it out for like two seconds. It is going to ruin you because it is, unfortunately, the ideal size for like a regular handed person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yes, some people have giant hands. Uh, they will probably be fine with the mini. Some people have tiny hands. They will find the mini too big. But mm-hmm. they're going to be better with the mini than with the bigger one. Oh, I guess maybe at that point, like, just go as big as possible because your hands are too small uh, to use a one handed anyways. Um, yeah. like personally, I, I think I've said this before the iPhone four size, if that was full screen, that would be a great size. In fact, yeah. there was a reason Apple made the first phones that size. Like they could have made the phone bigger, um, have more battery in it. That was an option to them, but they, they settled on that size probably because the screens were only available in that size, but also because that's a good size for, something that sits in your hand and goes in your pocket and needs to move around with you. Um, yeah. it's, it really does fit well. Um, and nowadays, like we have other, we use our phones for so much more. So it's understandable that we have more uses for it. Like I totally get that. Um, but I, I think I, there are others and I'm not alone in thinking that there are 
people that want a smaller phone. The iPhone Nano. The iPhone Nano. I will take an Apple. Make an iPhone Mini Pro, a Pro Mini. Right, it's Pro Max, so it'd be Pro Mini, right? Yeah. Uh, so make a Pro Mini, and then on the regular line, make an iPhone Nano, iPhone thirteen, and we iPhone start fifteen, the cycle Nano over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, there's a reason why people wanted smaller and smaller iPods because you can stuff them away and use them, and uh, it's it's good to have smaller things sometimes. And yeah, some people will pay more for it. Some some won't. That's just the reality of it. But like, I'm sure the people who love your products the most are going to not care about the price as much like they might not buy devices as often but they will get the device they really want no matter what the price it is uh so maybe it's just a gut feeling i don't i'm not as successful as apple so <laughs> take everything with a grain of salt um and also like you'll have to put your apple logo further down it won't work um I, I haven't seen anything, but it was maybe a couple of weeks ago that I saw reports of Apple already putting in like redesigns or patents or something for like a, a different MagSafe. Do you know anything about that? Oh, I do not. No? no. Which, you know, it would be interesting if they were thinking about somehow reworking it to be in a different place or maybe it's just stronger magnets or something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, they could use a smaller coil, right? Mm. um the the watch uses a smaller coil it seems like the new phones have a mystery uh data transmission at 60 gigahertz or something uh that that. does not exist anywhere else um and that you can't actually use um or was it the watches that have it was the watches the series 6 yeah and okay so i guess we'll find out if it's also in the iphone i mean there's teardowns Mm. right now uh likely so uh we'll find out soon if it's also in the iphone um, and maybe that's Apple's solution to not having ports is just to have a very fast wireless uh, system that a puck can connect to. And then you have a cable that does not connect via a port. It connects via a puck. Um, and that's that. <laughs> That'd be really interesting. I mean, if anything, Apple could just put contacts on the back just like they do on the iPad. And then that can be a way of charging it like without a port. It's just yeah. here are some contacts. Um but yeah, I, again, I don't do hardware. I, yeah. I soldered something over the weekend and I found out the the LED display component was like busted and I failed at unsoldering it. So that's the extent oh. of, <laughs> of uh, my hardware uh, prowess. So um, I don't actually know how to fit all these things inside a phone, but Apple, yeah. figure it out, please. Well, <laughs> we'll it's happy. interesting it's interesting that you mentioned going just straight to that because I, I saw on Twitter, I think this morning or maybe yesterday, uh, that there was a ruling that Apple in like a couple of years needs to implement USB-C ports in their phones. Mm-hmm. For It was like a EU ruling or something. Yeah, so, so for maybe Europe. Maybe they'll just say, mm, sorry, nope, we'll <laughs> just do portless. See mm-hmm. how that goes down over there. I don't know. Yeah. So I think a lot of people have mentioned it. I think it's a bit short-sighted of... Europe as a whole to mandate this, um, mostly because they were ready to like double down behind micro USB, which is the worst port <laughs> the, in existence. Yeah, terrible. Um, and if they had, then we would not have USB C over all over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and USB C is getting older, and we're eventually going to have something new after that. Uh, but if if they decide this is the way, then we're not going to have anything better. Um, so that's, that's just an unfortunate side effect of this. So maybe we all go back to those DC jacks. Do you remember those that were popular in the... Like the barrel plugs? Yeah, barrel plugs. No, But of different sizes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. (laughs) So you never know. And if you find two that are identical, mm, don't plug them in. You don't know what voltage is coming in on that. (laughs) Imagine every size of iPhone having a different barrel plug. Yeah, they brought back the headphone jack. It doubles as a pro. Oh, no. That would be terrible. <laughs> There's your fast charging. <laughs> no. It works in 360 degrees. No more aiming. This week's episode of Code Completion is once again brought to you by Bon Voyage. Bon Voyage is a full-stack iOS application development course from Johnny B. With this course, you'll learn how to build both a full iOS client app and associated React web administration application. 
The app and the site will integrate with Firebase as well as Stripe and Plaid for payment processing. Bon Voyage is a place to book extravagant vacations and you'll gain the skills to build the iOS app from the ground up and integrate everything you need to provide a world-class vacation booking experience. To find out more and sign up for the course, visit bonvoyage.app/course. That's B-O-N-V-O-Y-A-G-E.app/course. C-O-U-R-S-E. And be sure to follow Bon Voyage's instructor, Johnny B Codes. That's J-O-N-N-Y-B-C-O-D-E-S on Twitter to stay up to date with all his courses. Thanks once again to Bon Voyage e-commerce app course for sponsoring Code Completion. So now that we've gone through our topic, it's time for Complete the Code, where we quiz our listeners on your knowledge of Swift, Apple, and all things development. Spencer? Yep. So this week we still haven't had any submissions yet, and Dimitri didn't provide me with a solution either. Uh, So let's go over the prompt once again. Um, If you're listening to the podcast, you can check the podcast art, the show notes, to follow along. So uh, the prompt is, since Swift's async await syntax is making its way to Xcode 13... How would you transform the code below, uh, which schedules a network call, lets us know the request to send, and prints when the response is received to use this new async await pattern? So can you complete the code? Tweet your answers to us with hashtag complete the code, all one word. Uh, the first to get it right will get a shout out on next week's episode, or I will uh, actually write out a solution to give to Spencer so he can <laughs> uh, read it out next week. Um, I figured I, I will keep kicking the barrel, uh, kicking the yep. can down the road, um, because we have a uh, an episode scheduled to talk about the new stuff in Swift 5.5, which includes async await. So maybe that will be next week. Maybe it will be pushed one more week later if we don't get any responses. Uh, so we'll find out. Um, so yeah, as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released. And feel free to tweet at us if there's a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with all your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who's at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S, on Twitter for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buniol, that's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. So since since we're a little uh, short on this episode, I figure we can talk a tiny <laughs> bit about Nintendo Direct. Yes, let's do it. So what are you most excited about, Spencer? <laughs> ah, I am the most excited about the um, Nintendo 64 ports that they've got going that's a part of their, like, upgraded membership plan which i think is fine i would probably spend you know i don't know how much they would price the games individually but i'd buy quite a few of them like banjo kazooie uh ocarina of time majora's mask when it comes out so i'd spend a fair amount of money just to have them on my on my switch so if they're a part of this subscription and i can keep them around and they don't sort of cycle through then i'm happy about that um Mm -hmm. I, there wasn't really anything else that I was super stoked for. Um, most of the time I watch these Nintendo Directs to see who the next uh, character in Smash will be. And they said they announced that they're having an announcement for that on like the 5th of October. So uh, the got to wait a little bit longer. Yes, classic announcement announcement. So um, other than that, though, I was really I wasn't expecting any um, Nintendo port or Nintendo 64 ports. I knew that they were... Rumor, like there were but, rumors right before yeah. it happened, but I think everyone was like, eh, it's probably not going to happen. Like at this point, everyone's just hoping for it. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting though is um, maybe a part of why, if you remember way back, I think it was like around holiday season last year, they, they there was the Super Mario All-Stars that has three Mario games. One of them is Super Mario 64 and now... Mario 64 is a part of this new subscription thing. So I wonder if they were gauging interest with that or something. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. But um, that initial, I think they've got like eight or nine initial games uh, with that, which is pretty exciting. And then they also are doing the same thing with um, some Sega Genesis games. But that was uh, less a part of my childhood 
we had a Sega Genesis, but I think the only games we had were Sonic 1, 2, and 3. So I, I'm surprised that they included that. It feels like those they were rivals back then. Like You either had one console or the other kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it's, it's surprising to see Nintendo including both. I'm going to guess that the Nintendo 64 stuff is going to require an extra like a few dollars on the subscription plan uh mm. every month mostly because it's stuff it's software by companies that maybe still exist whereas yeah. all the nes and snes titles are probably all from companies that no longer exist uh yeah. meaning they just had to uh get the basic rights to do what they wanted to do and that was that um and that's probably the big difference. I'm also going to go ahead and guess that a lot of the titles are, were maybe not developed in Japan for the Nintendo 64 compared mm-hmm. to the NES and SNES titles. And something that's interesting about Japanese licensing is uh, it is more of like a lump sum that you just pay. Uh, so for Nintendo to Ooh. say, I want to include Banjo-Kazooie, they would go to the Banjo-Kazooie developers that don't exist anymore. Uh, actually, it's Microsoft. They would go to Microsoft, yeah, Microsoft and say, <laughs> uh, we will give you uh, $10,000 and you'll let us make a Banjo-Kazooie movie. And Microsoft would be like, yeah, sure, go do that. You own the movie. We own the original uh, art. And that's that, basically. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft would not see a penny uh, from any of the sales of uh, any of the proceeds for the movie, for instance. And I think that is basically how licensing works in Japan as a whole. Um, so... Maybe they were able to do that more for the NES and SNES uh, systems and the that library that they included. And then for the Nintendo 64, maybe because those companies uh, still exist, maybe because they are not Japanese, they had to go ahead and have royalty uh, license agreements with those companies, which means that they need to collect extra money to be able to actually fulfill that in the long run. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, no doubt that it's going to cost more that it's like, they're calling it like Nintendo switch online plus expansion pass, I think is kind of like mm-hmm. the, the term for it and everything. I would guess like an extra five, $10 a year. Yeah. Like I can't imagine it being more. I mean, it's, it's just 20 bucks for the, the Nintendo switch online thing anyways. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And honestly, I, <laughs> this is like the selfish, like smash player in me, but I would, I would pay so much more money if they would have better servers and like better connection because I play smash a lot and I always play online in the era of COVID and uh, the connection's pretty bad. It can get really, really laggy. So uh, I would, I naively hope that some of this extra money goes also aside from like the licensing fees and, and royalties to, uh, Upping the better, having better servers, but I highly doubt that coming from Nintendo, but it would be really cool and appreciated. You have to wait for the new uh, 4K Nintendo Switch to come out for them to upgrade their servers at the same time for that system only. Um, And then you'll you'll have new servers for a small amount of time before everyone moves over to them. Oh my gosh, dude. But... Um, and they, you know, they, they have cool things like a a bunch of different games. There's a couple, um, game, there's like Metroid Dread, which I think is like the biggest one that people are excited about. two weeks, right? Yeah. Something like that. There are actually quite a few titles that are coming out in October, which is really cool. Um, I don't know if I'll get it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence about it, but. Don't worry. um, I pre-ordered it. I'll probably never touch it. (laughs) <laughs> and then nice. I will give you my review in two years when I eventually uh, burn out from work and play video games for the first time in eons. <laughs> yeah, that's how like my entire Switch collection is. Um, we were we were talking about this in our Slack group, but they asked like what were my favorite games, and I had to seriously scroll through so much, so many games. Like I'm not I'm not trying to say this to be a baller here, but like. I bought a lot of games on the Switch, and I have played that like very little. Um, I spend my time between like Smash and Breath of the Wild right now, and that's basically it when I play my Switch. So, uh, not super excited about games. I don't know. It's it's, it's fun. Just, it's but a Smash machine, right? Yeah, I just yeah, man, Smash is 
that's that's pretty much all I play right now. So, actually, that's all I played for like last two years. <laughs> I I think I'm really excited about Banjo Kazooie more than anything, just because I love that game. Banjo Kazooie is uh, so awesome. <laughs> Look, in the meantime, you can just play Smash because they have Banjo and Kazooie in there now. True. Do, do you have to pay like <laughs> you have to like yes. unlock stuff in Smash, right? You don't have to pay for the characters. I don't. I haven't kept up with modern Smash. You have to pay for like DLC characters, which Banjo Kazooie are a part of. So when you pay for them, do you still have to unlock them? No, I think they get unlocked immediately. Okay. So you could you could do that, and you know. <laughs> we'll see the next time I turn on my Switch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dust it off. Um, oh, and then they're coming out with um, wireless Nintendo sixty four and sega genesis controller so that's cool too yeah I'll, I'll definitely get that for nostalgia yeah um need to have my hand blister right here i, I was just thinking like <laughs> oh play that on the new mario party and get some hand yeah. blisters <laughs> <laughs> on that one uh boo uh inflation minigame yes uh, oh i my think gosh, that's, those that's are... a unique experience that's shared amongst all 90s kids <laughs> yeah i even did that on like a gamecube controller like it's grippy but it's still I remember it just shredded the middle yeah, of the Yeah, but only kids are home. stupid enough to do this. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go fast, dude. I know. It's like, yeah. I don't know whose thumb is dexterous to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know where it went, but um, I showed this to, I think, yeah, I think I showed this to Dimitri the other week. Um, there's this company, I think they're in Japan, that makes different... Um, adapters so i bought a usb to it's both nintendo 64 and gamecube um adapter so you could in theory plug it into like your switch or your your computer as well if you wanted to emulate games so i'm excited to like pull out my controllers and see if they work and oh that'd be neat you know i was gonna say like you know emulate ocarina of time but now that it's coming to the switch i might just wait and do it on there but uh it was super cool. I'll, I'll send you a link. If I, I, I wonder if I wonder if it's going to come with both the Ocarina of Time and Master Quests variation of Ocarina of Time, um, because I remember the GameCube emulation of Ocarina of Time also came with the Master Quest um, variation yes. of the game, which is just mixed up dungeons, um, and it's a, it's a welcome addition. Uh, and I hope that it also comes out here, and it would be a shame for it to kind of be lost the time. Um, in that regard, yeah. and not kind it, of brought forward. It's fun when you've played the game before um, for a little more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I guess this basically means that every Zelda game can be played on the Switch except Twilight Princess, right? Yes. Or almost every Zelda game. Pretty much, yeah. They'll have Majora's Mask later. Um, yeah, and then it'll just be Twilight Princess. They've got Skyward Sword now. Um, I don't know about like Zelda 2. I think it's or... on the NES, right? Oh, did they have that on the... Um... I, I haven't looked at like any of the NES games. That was... I think so. Like, hmm, Cool. That's cool. I found yeah. it. That was neat. Ta-da! Oh, those plugs are ginormous. Especially I know they are. the Nintendo 64 one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll try that out. Uh, it was like $20. It wasn't too bad. So... But I think a cool direct, and there were a ton of games. It's just like Splatoon three, I think, right? Yeah, and a new Kirby game, um, couple from Square Enix, so that's cool. Um, no Breath of the Wild two trailers. Yeah, it's okay. We'll get we'll get more and more of those as it is ready to launch. Yeah, I am. I hope that they do a good job on it. I'm happy to wait longer if it, mm-hmm. you know, turns out well like Breath of the Wild did. So. Yeah. Well, this time at least they don't have to build the engine, right? They got the engine. Yeah. They just need to go ahead and build the game. So True. they've taken roughly about the same amount of time, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. So uh, maybe by the time it actually comes out, we'll have a Pro Switch that will not come in colors and will... <laughs> Only, <laughs> uh, yeah. it'll be thicker. It'll have a bigger um, something lump, um, and yeah, 
It'll be in yeah. 4K. 20 FPS. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's the hope. I would I would even prefer if it's like 1080p or 1440p, but 60 FPS, like everything. Like Breath of the Wild's awesome, but it runs like 30 FPS max. And, mm-hmm. it and it's not even at 1080p. Amount. It's at like 9, 960 or something like that. Yeah, so... Frame rate's good, like we talked about with the ProMotion. It's, you know, once you have a high refresh rate, it's hard to go back. Yeah. More important than the resolution for most cases. Yeah. 